0: you
1: Good morning, happy Sabbath. I hope your camp meeting Sabbath is all you dreamt for and all you're expecting. Today is a wonderful Sabbath here in Loma Linda as we move between services and we get to spend some time, whether it's in your living room or in front of your computer today, or if you're reading or watching us at your own leisure during the rest of the week, we hope that through everything that Loma Linda University Church does, you are being blessed. We also want to invite you to remember if you find some blessing in the ministries we do here, and if you want to partner with us, um, you can always uh, become a partner, l-o-u-c dot O-R-G slash give, and you can give, uh, to media, which puts our content out there, or to any of the other wonderful ministries in our church. We're going to continue with our lesson on Ephesians. Today we look at one of the most oft-quoted passages in the whole of the epistle. I'm referring, of course, to chapter 5. Before we do that, we're going to pray, and I'm going to invite you all just to spend some time with me as we talk to God. Jesus, thank you for your blessings, your compassion, your kindness. Thank you for Scripture. And we pray that as we open it again, may we see Your message to us and for us reflected Mm -hmm. in its pages. We pray in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, uh, Pastor Joey is out on assignment. He is in uh, Guam. So uh, we wish him well. We wish him safe travels as he is doing a week of prayer for the school down there. Uh, but we have a friend of mine, a colleague, Dr. Milosavlovich. How are you today? Oh, it's strange to hear doctor. Uh, you got to get it somewhere. You spent all this time and effort in, oh, on this degree. So we, we right, have to, right, you have to right, get it somewhere. Right. How have you man. been?
0: Good to see you. Yeah, doing good. Came back from a little vacation and ready to go great so you were in croatia after your dissertation
1: how was that
0: it was wonderful to see some of our family and it was funny though you realize when you travel with three kids that are under four it's like just watching your kids in a different location Mm. without a car without all the resources that you need to do Mm. that and so that was uh that was definitely an interesting journey Mm. but we uh we liked seeing all the family and friends. I hadn't seen some people in 12 years.
1: Wow. So it was a long
0: time since we were back. Just had a beautiful time.
1: Wow. And then you got to take uh, your bride with you. You got to take your brother, your sister-in-law. Yes. Mother-in-law and my parents. Wow. Uh, It was a great time. So it's so nice because then as, by the way, if you don't know, Pastor Phil and his family here in, in the community do a lot together. And I don't just mean his nuclear family, his 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 extended family mm-hmm, as well. Mm-hmm. And so it's so nice that you're making those connections, yeah. not only with your nuclear family, but your yeah. extended family yeah. as well. It was
0: really cool. They had never seen Croatia. So it was nice. We got stuck in London for four days.
1: Stuck. Oh, yes, yes, stuck. yes, yes, but yes. It
0: was a good time too.
1: Yes, yes. Yeah. We we actually were, were kind of uh, quipping and trying to determine if that was you actually getting stuck <laughs> or you wanting to extend the vacation a little bit. And then we were reminded that you're doing that with your babies. And so, yeah, that's probably, stock is probably a good way to define it.
0: Like hours before the flight, they're like, ah, sorry, it's canceled. Yeah. So then you have to scramble to find hotels and get get from the airport to wherever you need. Yeah. That's tough.
1: But you bound you you got more bound you bound together as a family, yeah. which is important. Yeah.
0: No, it was nice. Yeah. It was nice. The kids had a great time in London. We got to see wonderful things, and Elena's kind of English, Welsh, Scottish in her heritage, mm. so she really loves going out there. Anyway, so it was mm. good. Both worlds, both of our cultures,
1: on both that trip. Eastern yeah. Europe and uh, and the UK. Yeah, and yeah. that's I think what's so fascinating uh, when you come to America that you have kind of all these different backgrounds, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So people ask you, where where are you from? And the, the implication is, uh, where are your parents or your grandparents or your great grandparents, depending yeah. how far back you want to go, yeah, where are they yeah, from? Yeah. And yet there is this communal sense of identity, which is so fascinating. It's a perfect segue into what Paul mm-hmm, has been doing mm-hmm. throughout Ephesians, right? It's a letter, mm-hmm. um, as we've been discussing for the past few weeks, on ecclesiology, that's Paul's main thrust throughout the letter. Mm. And so it's its a challenge. It's a, yeah. it's a challenge pastoring uh, people with different backgrounds, different heritage, mm-hmm. different preferences, mm-hmm. different mm-hmm. practices. And then trying to find uh, some some things uh, to weave them together, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, he he starts mm-hmm. doing that in chapter five, mm-hmm, which is mm-hmm. what uh, the primary uh, section of the lesson deals mm-hmm, with. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. McVeigh, I think appropriately uh defines that as living wisely because mm. it takes a lot of wisdom and discernment yeah, uh, yeah. to live in the context of a community that it really does
0: it really does and in this section he really kind of starts moving into what does it look like to apply your personal mm-hmm. kind of holiness in mm-hmm. a communal sense mm-hmm and i and the impact your personal choices make on others Mm. which i think is something that we don't always consider it's like hey it's my life whatever i want you know but it's like hey listen you know some of these things that are in your life that you really yearn to do x y and z it impacts people you know and so he gets into that so i'm excited to talk about this a little bit me too
1: i think um and we've there's there's probably as a I'm, i'm sure as a former a uh, former uh, high school pastor and now a young adult pastor. Uh, there's a lot of conversation, right? We were talking off camera about mm-hmm. verse 3. Uh, mm-hmm. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity. Yeah. Um, and then he starts giving this, this long list, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he talks about greed, about obscenity, about coarse joking. Um, all of these things, uh, and I think... Th- However, you define what, for example, coarse joking is, <laughs> all of these things I think uh, really do touch on the point that you're talking about. How important it is not only to have your own personal freedom in mind, mm-hmm. but to recognize that uh, being part of a community is is a act uh, that brings incredible relational wealth, Mm. but it is actually also an act that invites you to Mm self-limit what that freedom Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. for the benefit of the community.
0: The benefit of others, absolutely. And if you look at the text, I mean, he says, replace those things rather with thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. Um, There's this reality that there are things that we want to do, Mm -hmm. but then there are things that the kingdom calls Mm -hmm. us to do, which actually would benefit others around you in a way that what we wanted to do just couldn't Mm -hmm. it couldn't bring out the benefits the the blessings it can't multiply the impact Mm -hmm. of you being an influence in your community so here he says refrain from sexual immorality when i was in any kind of impurity i'm reminded of uh matthew chapter 5 verse 3 and i kind of when I was leading a men's group, we would we'd discuss these kind of in conjunction together because they really do make an impact. When you look at Matthew chapter five, verse three, you see Jesus giving the Beatitudes and he stops for a moment and he says this here in Matthew five, three, ble- uh, sorry, not five, three. Um, it is blessed are those who, eight, hey, blessed are the pure in heart mm. for they will see mm. God. There's this attachment with blessing, purity, and the ability to see God in mm-hmm. His clarity. And it isn't trying to limit people from something that they think would bring them great happiness. But it's rather limiting ourselves so that we can live in our fullest mm-hmm. sense of who God yearned for us to be yeah. with Him and with others. Yeah. Because there are things you could say, well, hey, is this harming anybody? Right. I'm doing this by myself, or it's just with you know a small group. Is it really impacting? You know, but man, some things really do have a consequence, not just for you and whoever you'd like to be involved, but it also has this idea that you're harming a connection with the yeah. Lord. There's this lack of being able to see Him as clearly as you could. Yeah. Um, so blessed are the pure in heart. Now you could say, well, this is just talking about a sense of different sense of heart, not just. But there is a, there is some attachment, I think, when we think about how sin affects the vertical and the horizontal. Mm.
1: Yeah.
0: And that's kind of where Paul is looking at here. It's like, hey, listen, we have both realms to mm. think about in our Christian journey. So so be wise. You know, Paul then goes on and say, hey, all things are permissible to me. But what? They're not all
1: beneficial. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. And I think one often uh, has this misnomer of the environment that Paul is writing in. So there's there's all of these, I think, caricatures of what the Roman or the Greek world looked like. And to be sure, there was a lot of immorale, immorality and debauchery. But that was an all mm. that was... Um, that was present in the world. Oh, sure. Uh, there were, uh, Stoic, uh, Stoicism had virtues. Uh, the Pla- uh, Plato and uh, Neoplatonic uh, ethicists, had, had, for them, virtue was very high. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Aristotle mm-hmm. Talk, talk, talked about virtue almost more than anyone else. And uh, what they write, particularly on, on the issue that, that you're talking about, on sexual, on sexual uh, promiscuity, is really, really uh, overabundant. And it actually is much, much more comprehensive than what Paul does here in, in uh, Ephesians 5. So, I think there's, there's one piece that moves Paul just um, away from this simply being this moral code of virtue that uh, or virtue signaling that was very present in the world and i think what you started saying uh, kind of scratches at the surface all of this is prefaced by this idea follow god's example and as dearly loved children walk in the way of love yeah. so however you are going to utilize that freedom that christ has given to you you need to remember as you were saying that the actions that you are involved with do impact a community and we can talk about virtue in in aristotle's mind the reason why you refrained from sexual immorality was because because you wanted uh the city and the community uh to remain strong. And so if you were promiscuous, you would have a lot of children out of wedlock. And so how then would you pass on your name and your legacy Mm -hmm. and et cetera, et cetera. So the, the issue was an issue of honor, the honor of the city. In the Jewish culture, the issue of purity is an issue of separation. In the Greek culture, the issue of freedom and in the Roman culture, the issue of freedom is an issue of individuality. Mm. And so you have all these competing values. And where I think Paul is so wise is the fact that he goes out and he says, the, the moments in which you embark on purity is not to separate yourself. The moments in which you enact your freedom is not just for yourself. All of this, is measured uh, from this from this awe-inspiring act that Jesus has done, and it is the way of love. And so, both what you do and what you refrain from doing are driven by this love that you feel, mm-hmm. uh, obviously, as we were saying, towards God and and towards a community. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. so, you have to be wise in knowing mm-hmm. what community you mm-hmm. are a part mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. and how that community kind of draws its mm-hmm. boundaries.
0: Mm-hmm. I think there's so many ways in which we as a community have also chosen to, to limit our freedoms, as you said. I like mm-hmm. that that idea, limiting our freedom. But I also wonder if we consider how our society impacts mm. that yeah. on the Christian. You know, when you think of the the impact that society speaks into the Christians kind of trying to steer and to shift. And mm-hmm. so as, as as believers, we also kind of come back to saying, well, what are we called to here? Mm -hmm. And I I love how you bring us back to verse 1. We're called to live in the example of Christ and how He loved giving Himself up Mm -hmm. for us as a fragrant offering, Mm -hmm. a sacrifice unto God. And I think of this idea of a costly obedience Mm -hmm. in life. You know, for Jesus to give of Himself fully, that was costing Mm -hmm. heaven everything. And likewise, in our Christian walk with each other, there will be this... As uh, Eugene Peterson, entitled his book uh, "Long Obedience," mm-hmm. in the same direction, mm-hmm. in which it's like, oh man, self-control. Okay, mm-hmm. okay, I'm gonna need to exercise this right now. It's really tough. I get, I get, I get these sugar cravings. Man, I gotta get it. I, I gotta get it. I, I get, it. but I keep gaining, and now my pants don't fit as well, bro. I'm, you know. <laughs> but there's this idea of self-control in the way we impact each mm-hmm. other. I would love to just speak my mind at times in certain situations Mm -hmm. and just okay. I don't. I. Okay, wait a minute. Mm You know, it's not going to benefit everybody. It won't benefit the community. I want to tell my wife that I'm really. Okay, Philip. Why? What? You're just going to cause more chaos and hurt more people. That isn't the way of love in this Mm -hmm. situation. Um, and so when we keep going with the text, I actually really like how Paul kind of then talks about this in verse eight. Hey, listen, you were once in darkness, but yet now you're in light live as children of the light for the fruit of light consists in goodness, righteousness, truth, and find out what pleases the Lord have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather even expose them. It is shameful even to mention some things that are secret. But in everything, expose them with the light. Mm. I think that's the idea. It's like, man, as believers, yearn to be people of light. Yearn to bring brightness into a space. Yearn to use your speech, your thought, your acts, your finances, your influence um, to bring light into mm. a space. Now, I think there's always sometimes a difference in how we think about what is light, what is not light. But I think when we at least have a guide which i think as believers we do in scripture we can kind of order ourselves together as a community in what Mm -hmm. is light the challenge is living in a christian world and recognizing like okay how we look at things is different how society looks at things are different Um, then you imply the natural sciences Mm -hmm. and how they look at things and all of that is informing us and how we understand the text Mm -hmm. as well which is really helpful um But there are ways in which as a believer here, Paul says, listen, there are some things that are harmful to us and let there not be a hesitance as a believer Mm -hmm. to call out that what Mm -hmm. is harmful, expose it. Oh, you know, that's a hard thing for any one of us to do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it has to do, I think the beauty is Phil, it's not just kind of this arbitrary list. That is unchanging, mm. which is, I think, really helpful uh, to level some of the critiques, the ethical critiques that have been made of uh, the Pauline corpus of writings throughout history. Uh, Paul not taking a stand, for example, on slavery. There's a lot of uh, ethical questions of Paul. But when we taught, when we recognize that Paul's ethical belief on slavery. Um, is really a subservient to Paul's need for there to be unity in in the church, mm. and so at some time, at some points, uh, as as we are kind of called to utilize self control, um, questions start to bubble up about well, then am I am I is this just a cop out am I mm actually giving up on some on some core moral beliefs that I think are important. And I think what I love about this section is that Paul kind of produ- produces two barriers that I think we should always measure our, um, our ability to either restrain and to engage in self-control or our ability to practice freedom. And that mm-hmm. is A, we have to question our motives. Mm. Am I motivated by love? Mm. That's number one, and Paul starts with that. But number two, we have to we have to question the result. What is the result? What are the and Paul calls them the fruits. Mm-hmm. If I pursue this particular cor- uh, course of action what are the potential implications, not just for me and my Mm -hmm, individual mm -hmm, life, mm -hmm, but for the life of my community, mm -hmm, for the life of those whom I care about. mm -hmm. And so if I think you're asking yourself the question of motives and the question of what exactly are the results of me pursuing this course of action? And is uh, is this course of action beneficial or is the harm that I'm going to uh, create far outweighing um, the, the, the benefits, then I think those are two really good Mm. guardrails to, Mm. to Mm. guard your behavior. Uh, the issue of slavery again for Paul is Jesus is coming soon. Mm. There's this imminent, uh, reality, at least in his mind of the second coming. And so for him, uh, detestable as that institution might be the most important thing is how can I get the gospel out the Mm. the message of a God who loves to the majority of people out there yeah um and so he is able then to ask himself these questions and they're not I don't think that that's uh being co-opted by the world I think that is wisdom the wisdom to be pragmatic in both what is dry what are the things that are driving me to take a certain position, and then pragmatic as to, if I really believe about this, what are the results that me taking Mm, this position is mm, going to have? mm, mm, mm.
0: I do wonder in in what sense we as believers then are also called to look beyond, uh, uh, I guess you could say just what would honor people, and like what does God call us to honor, Mm -hmm. which at times may Mm -hmm. be hurtful to relationships, Um, and that's a hard space to be in. I'm not necessarily looking at the issue of slavery, but in other instances where it's like, hey, listen, when we're talking about Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, there's some pretty explicit things here that he's like, don't be going in that space. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not going to benefit you. Or practice this, and that may hurt your bottom line in Mm -hmm. your business. Like, oof, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And so I think if we were to look at, an order, I, I would. I, the only thing I would add to that, because I really like what you said, um, would to be interjecting first a primacy to what is Christ called me mm-hmm. first to that I know plainly right. in Scripture. And then if I were to say, hey, what is going to just honor those around me that maybe isn't explicitly spoken of in every situation mm-hmm. in Scripture, but that would bring light mm-hmm. um, that has biblical principles attached to it, you know, so then when we do look at the issue of slavery, wow. This is not healthy for our mm-hmm. community. This is not healthy for society. This is this is not bringing, as God would even say, hey, you are not even then created in the image of God mm-hmm. any longer. Now you're diminished to a a half. What was it? A third. One third. One three, th- fifths. Three, three fifths. Three fifths. You know, it's like whoa. Okay, now we're now we're tearing apart biblical principles in order to exact financial gain and to abuse people at the, uh, you know so now you're tearing apart both standards of both God's call and the idea of honor um, yeah. so that 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 needs to be I guess set within context of how you're making wise decisions mm-hmm. um, does there have is there a passage of scripture that speaks to this and then kind of going into that
1: realm of what is going to be honor in this situation. Yeah, And I think even, even following that, which I think are great interpretive principles, that has to begin by questioning, what are my motives? Because we have seen, and I, I think both you and I have been part of a long history, 2,000-year history, of people... Uh, appropriating and co-opting scripture in order to fit a particular narrative. Mm. In America, um, in the 1800s, there were a lot of of sermons preached using the Pauline corpus of writings uh, to actually condone the practice and the institution of slavery. The motive behind that wasn't love. Mm. The motive behind that uh, is pretty clear. Mm-hmm. Was the economic system mm-hmm, uh, in a part mm-hmm, of our country mm-hmm. which depended on free labor, labor, mm-hmm. and the enslavement of a whole race of people? Mm-hmm. And so, I think the question has to be always, be, even before I I enter the text, mm-hmm. I have to question my motives. Mm-hmm. I have to say, mm-hmm. what is driving this desire mm-hmm. to find out what? Uh, the authority, the authority of scripture is trying to say. And I Mm, think mm, mm. the wisdom... That's a good, that's a good point. That's a good point. And the wisdom in that, thank you, I've been thinking (laughs) about it all week. I think the wisdom of that is, I don't, I don't think that your pursuit of scripture even is an individual one. Mm. I think that's how heresy occurs. Mm. I think your pursuit of scripture uh, has to be communal, mm-hmm. the same mm-hmm. community in mm-hmm. which you're invested mm-hmm. in, and that community has to be pretty diverse. It mm-hmm. has to have uh, different viewpoints, different genders, different ethnicities, different political affiliations, because it is sometimes those people uh, that it is that diversity. I think that can that can alert you to mm-hmm. some blind spots that mm-hmm. we might have, mm-hmm. and so I think of that then questions my forces me because I, I'm not even aware of my biases. Mm. Just quite honestly, folks, I'm not even aware of my biases half the time. So Linda might be able Linda. To tell, Linda, you. Linda Linda'll Linda'll tell you. Linda might all be tell lies. you all of them. <laughs> but if we, if we start with love, and if we allow love, and I think the best way to express love is um, it, it doesn't take a lot of love to uh, to invite people whom I agree with on every single issue. Mm. So the best way to express love is how diverse are we? Within, I think, the community creates mm. Uh, mm. some parameters, but how diverse are we? And then I can actually question, are these my biases or is this what scripture is saying? And I think then when you, ha- when you come up with a conviction uh, after you've done this process, then you have to say, well, what are the results? How important? How central is this conviction? And Phil, if this conviction is central, um, there, because there might be times when the conviction is central, when you're pursued, but when you're, uh, pr- we've you started with love, when you've engaged Scripture, uh, when you've asked different voices to speak into your readings of Scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, that you still land at a place where you say this is a central issue for me, mm-hmm. and on those issues, I think Paul mm-hmm. Paul would mm-hmm. rightly say mm-hmm. the wise thing mm-hmm. is to remain solid mm-hmm. and firm.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those are that's a really good that's really good, man. I like how you brought the diverse community to approach the way you see scripture. Mm-hmm. I like that. I wonder, as a denomination, how we then can achieve any clarity. How we did achieve clarity, thinking about the establishment of doctrine, mm-hmm. twenty-eight fundamental beliefs, um, when there are so many different views, how does a community even land mm. on
1: congruence? Mm. Yeah, that's a really good point, and it's a point I think. I think Adventism, by its own nature, is probably more comfortable with the with the idea that there can be congruence. But those boundaries are not set boundaries; they're fluid boundaries. Um, and the reason, and uh, the reason why I say that is, we have this graybill preamble to our to our twenty fundamental beliefs. That's that in essence states this is the best reflection that we have now and Mm -hmm. we've done this process we've started with love none of our uh, i think none of our pioneers wanted to leave their denominations of choice Mm -hmm. they were forced out of their denominations. so the idea wasn't let me leverage uh, my voice and my authority to create a new kingdom Mm -hmm. Uh, they were moved by this missional approach and then we've said um, this is this is kind of how we best can express the boundaries of where we are today. Mm-hmm. That's not mm-hmm. saying that this is where we'll always be. Um, I think the boundaries uh, might be fluid, but there is something mm. there is something uniform about that about them, however. I read, for example, things which with which I think most Christians would agree. The Westminster Short Catechism, mm-hmm. the primary aim of human beings is to glorify God and to enjoy life with Him forever. Mm. I think, I hope, I should say, most Christian most Christian brethren out there um, could agree on that. Mm-hmm, the Apostles' mm-hmm. Creed is the something Creed. as the Nicene yeah. Creed, mm-hmm. um, although that's not always been the case. I think today you would look at most Christian brethren and say, hey, do you agree with the Nicene Creed? Mm-hmm. So those boundaries exist. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as the specifics, I think Adventism, because of our weariness with creed, with dog, with creedal creedal statements, statements yeah. and dogma- dogmaticism, I think that gives us a little bit of fluidity. Mm-hmm.
0: I think, as a denomination, we have done a good job of trying to land on somewhere that can uh, not appease. I wouldn't use the word, but that can rather be the most faithful. Mm-hmm. You know, and the problem then emerges when when Paul gets to these statements, he's not limit, he's not listing out. Okay, uh, these are all the things you know to create a theology. You have to use all of Scripture mm-hmm. to come together. Okay, we believe this is light, mm-hmm. um, but then there also has to be a moment in time when we recognize, like, okay, this is also darkness, mm-hmm. and texts do point to kind of mm-hmm. giving us clues to what is right, good, mm-hmm. helpful, not. I wonder, you know, Miguel, from your study of the book of Ephesians as our study pastor, what were the circumstances of darkness in that time in the world, maybe in the the culture that Paul was speaking to? And I know it maybe isn't just, I know some commentators don't like to say he was writing to the book, to the city of Ephesus, but rather the whole kind of Mm -hmm. Asia Minor community, um, what What was going? There's, on?
1: there's so much stuff going on, so we and he, he it seems to be central right uh, to to what Paul is is, is writing throughout uh, throughout uh, his epistles. So you have, I think two competing ideals, right? On the Jewish side, the primary thing is purity. Mm. And so the big issue with the Jews is how are we going to let these Jewish Christians? How are we going to get this let these Gentile Christians in? Mm. And so Paul Paul attacks that head on mm-hmm. um, the idea that actions make you pure um, rather than the Christ in you is what makes you holy. Mm-hmm. And so and you start with that with that. Um, that's what I think the primary hypothesis he, he puts forth in Galatians. I think on the Roman side, um, a lot of Roman Christian or, or Gentile Christians, we should say. Um, struggled with the issue of freedom. Okay, so if if there's this amazing gift that God has bestowed upon me, uh, that has made me free, then is all type of hedonism and behavior accepted? Mm. And you hear that, right? You Mm. hear echoes of this Mm. in Romans, for example. Mm. Uh, Should we sin more so that grace might (laughs) might, might abound even more? And so you have these two values, I think, that on the face of it, are good things. Uh, purity is, good, mm-hmm. is, is a great thing. Freedom is a great thing. I think the way that they were being practiced in both communities uh, was was very was very dangerous. And so, what Paul is doing in Ephesus, or throughout the book of Ephesians, is saying, "How do we, as a diverse congregation, coalesce around some central some central things?" And for for Paul. Uh, if if uh, we're going to read, uh, and it, it's so interesting, right, Phil, that this is the preamble to the famous house code of uh, section of the book. Children, yeah. Because for Paul, the the one thing that we can coalesce, the one value that supersedes both my desire for purity or for freedom, is my willingness to submit. Mm. Submit to Christ mm. and submit to to my fellow believers, mm. and so Ephesians is this beautiful uh, manuscript on mutual submission. Mm. It says, "You these values are great, so long as they are practiced through the lens of mutual submission."
0: Mm. 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 Uh,
1: he doesn't. He doesn't kind of
0: end where we stopped here in this section. He, he goes on then in verse fourteen. He's like, "Hey, wake up! Will sleep arise mm-hmm. from the dead, mm-hmm. and Christ will shine on you." And I'm thinking about what you just said, the two dichotomous values of a society that they're trying to merge together, he almost wants them to both realize, hey, listen, both of you need to rise up from the dead Mm -hmm. of your spaces to a more unified vision that I believe Christ is calling us all to. Yeah. That's a hard thing to kind of it's come a... together into when you're at an impasse.
1: It feels it's an impossible. It's almost an impossible thing, and yet they did it. The, uh, Dr. McVeigh, I think, does a great job in the lesson, uh, pointing out that this uh, with verse, the way he reads verse 14, is kind of the evangelistic call mm. that Paul is making to mm. people mm. with these two competing values, and the reality is. That hasn't changed that much, right? Mm, you were mm, talking mm, about our current mm. culture, so if we think about our current culture, uh, the some reactions uh, to um, the sexual liberation movement that started in or that. The, the idea was equality right that was the idea behind behind <laughs> behind it in the 60s which I think is a really valid value sure, sure. The reaction that Christian had was purity culture and when I was growing up we would get these people to come and um, and kind of mistakenly think that sexuality was was simply connected to to the sexual act. And so there was a lot of damage done uh, mm-hmm. through uh, kind of this this really restrictive purity culture that viewed you as broken mm. um, and as damaged if uh, if you if you engaged in certain in certain behaviors. And so these two values, I think, are are the same, right? On the one hand, you said, well, freedom, equality, Mm. uh, beauty, to have your own voice, to have the capacity to consent and some volition. On the other hand, saying, yes, but sexuality within human beings is not just for procreation. There is a certain spirituality to Mm. it. There is a certain emotional uh, connectivity to it. And how do we preserve the sacredness of that. I think those both of those va- values were very laudable. I think the ways in which they were pursued were probably not as, uh, as laudable. And I think it's because we didn't ask the question, what are my motives here? Hmm, Why am hmm, I doing hmm, this? Hmm. And what are the logical hmm. uh, ends of pursuing this particular value that as we as i think both of us would agree was very very laudable
0: Mm -hmm. i think there are a lot of things that emerged out of that era of the 1960s -hmm. that you know should the consequences of the generations that would come have been known at that time they probably wouldn't have gone about those Mm -hmm. things the way they did you know but i do think society at times does push us into more truthful spaces Mm But Paul does, though, remind us here in verse six, 15, 16, there's something to be thoughtful about. He says, be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but mm-hmm. as wise, making most of every opportunity because days the days are evil. Mm-hmm. There is this caution that he puts like, hey, and in other texts, he's like, hey, be sober minded, be vigilant, be alert. You can't just passively walk into culture and assume it's yearning for your best interest, Mm. or the best interest of those around Mm. you, or the best interest of the Christian community. I love how uh, the philosopher and and religious thinker, J.K. Smith, talks about this in his book, You Are What You Love. You know, he's like, hey, you are shaped by your affections, loves, and desires. Do not assume they are all, though, of Christ and the kingdom to come. Right recognize they will have consequences upon you as a believer like if you're and he uses the example of the temple of the sports Mm -hmm. arena right and he uses the word specifically temple Mm -hmm. because it is a place where men uh, women too will sit and worship Mm -hmm. and he uses these acts of uh, the, the, the holy in these, you mm-hmm. know, quote unquote sports arena, or he talks about the mall, the sanctuary, you know, you have different rooms. If you go into a Catholic church, you'll see there's like different rooms to worship. It's like you enter into a mall here. You are in the sanctum and there are different places people may worship, you know? And the idea thing that I, I glean from his writing, which he kind of affirms to is like, listen, your identity must be fully in Christ mm. first. Let that be the affection that guides Mm -hmm. all other desires to put them into check, to recognize that society, though, as good as its intentions may be at times, also has its own motives,
1: its own agenda.
0: It has its Mm -hmm. own desire where it wants to pull you. Mm -hmm. Many times we might think, ah, this is to better me, but it also has its own consumeristic materialism that pulls us into avenues that will not be good Mm -hmm. for our checkbook, (laughs) relationships, and other things. So that's why when Paul says, hey, listen, be careful. Yeah. Be very careful. Be thoughtful here. Don't just move passively throughout yeah. life. Put yourself into check, Your what things are being pushed at you into check. Um, it's a really important thing yeah. as a believer to live with.
1: Yeah. No, and I think, I think that is... That is affirmed by this particular passage, as we started by saying, right? It's not like the Greeks and the Romans didn't have people talking about virtue. Uh, There's a wonderful uh, little book that uh, Plato writes. It's called Timaeus. And Timaeus presents kind of the virtue... set of values and ethical responsibilities that are given to citizens of the state based on creation. Uh, So again, Plato's saying, don't be promiscuous. And if you read Plato and, and Paul, there's a lot of arguments. The problem is, Plato says, the reason why you do all these things is because the original intent that the gods had for us was to be wholly intellectual. So first we had just men, because men are more intellectual than women. Ladies, this isn't me, it's Plato. <laughs> um, and then men failed. And so the gods created women. And then uh, you needed to procreate. And so you you had kind of this less than ideal. But the ideal was that you had men being virtuous, thoughtful, and that anything under that is simply yeah. not the ideal. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. To even be sexual was to be a diminishment of the idea. Right, absolutely, absolutely.
1: And so so Plato gets to the same conclusions that Paul does, Mm -hmm. but the process by which he gets to the same conclusions is devoid, I think, of the redemptive uh, love Mm -hmm. and uh, communal submission, grace, that that the gospel has. When you talk about society, society has done the same, something very similar, so in the 1960s, the loudest voices that were talking about desegregation were uh, were societal. Um, sure there was uh, there was a strong religious component, mm-hmm. uh, and and that's I think where, where we got the inspiration from. But by and large, the religious community was very hesitant and mm-hmm. resistant mm-hmm. towards uh towards desegregation, whereas the society and the government said this is where we need to go. I think the same thing has to do with uh, gender uh, equality and equal rights. I think the, the problem isn't the principle, the, the principle is great. I think the problem is what you're talking about, even great principles even society's best intentions, when devoid of the gospel, are going to have consequences that are less than ideal. Just like Plato's, Plato's, if you take uh, Plato's uh, idea on virtues to the very end, Plato had no issue with slavery, Plato had no issue with segregation, Plato Mm -hmm. did not consider uh, everyone to be equal, Mm -hmm. there are some Mm -hmm. problems. So even if the virtue is correct, Mm -hmm. because that virtue is being introduced to the arena of ethical discussion without the background that is the gospel, it doesn't lead you to the place that you Mm. need to lead. Mm. And so I think we need to be very careful uh, with, even with kind of some virtues that we see in the world at large that we say, well, that's a great thing. We should pursue them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, Because as James K. Smith says, those Mm -hmm. virtues, good as they might be, are devoid Mm -hmm. of kind of this this basic framework, Mm -hmm. which is the gospel.
0: And, and also paying attention to the fact that they will shape you.
1: Absolutely.
0: I think that's one of the struggles is just you don't know how something will shape you in the moment, but give it enough time, mm-hmm. attention and focus, it will. Mm-hmm. And I think I love how um, Stephen Covey writes this in his book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Mm-hmm. Begin with the end in mind, mm-hmm. you know, it's like start your life, your choices, your decisions Almost if you could take a moment to look deep into the future, what will this do? Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, Randy and I had, Pastor Randy and I had the opportunity to chat just briefly about the Steve Green concert. And he said he got touched by that song, Will the Generations to Come Find Us Faithful. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the question we have to ask, not any longer is it just like, is it just a decision for me right now? but what will this do for the mm. generations to come yeah that's a big thing to think about and when we think about what is wisdom and making wise decisions man we almost need to make decisions with
1: generational time involved mm-hmm. and that's why Paul says look at the fruit mm-hmm. i think the only the only shift um, i i would i would advocate for is that often because we live again, and I think you've made it really, really clear. And I think we completely agree. Because we live in this culture, you are being shaped by the values that culture has without even knowing. Mm-hmm. So for example, um, I've, I've heard, we've talked a lot about, uh, about I- ethical issues that scripture has. Mm-hmm. There is not one ethical issue that scripture is more uniform and more vociferous against than economic inequality. Mm. From the Old Testament Mm -hmm. to the New Mm -hmm. Testament, it's this idea that consumerism isn't the way that God has willed you to live. Uh, Because ultimately, if consumeristic culture ends up looking at your fellow human beings, as you were Mm -hmm. mentioning, as a means to an end. Mm. I would be Pollyannish if I looked you, if I came here and looked you in the face and say that I am not consumeristic. I am. Oh, sure, am consum- sure. I look at, sure. I, it's impossible to escape. Right. I turn on the TV and I say, hmm, maybe that car. Yeah. Um, I maybe have a this, car, maybe but that, maybe that maybe car that, will be yeah. better. Maybe yeah. this TV will yeah. be better. Yeah. Maybe this set of yeah. clothes. And it's almost, uh, it's subconscious. Sure. Um, So I think that's one of the things that you have to realize. You have to realize that um, the idea, because we live in this broken culture, the ideal is going to be difficult Mm. to achieve. That doesn't mean Uh, we don't move towards it. I like how
0: Smith, though, reminds us of the fact that there must be Christian rhythms Mm -hmm. that draw us back to the kingdom. Because we have to live in the reality, right? Yeah. But then he says, that's why Christian worship is so mm-hmm. powerful. It is the antidote to culture's yeah. impact that we're reminded when we sing the songs, when we hear the sermon, when we offer thanksgiving and g- a literally giving, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, I'm not going to give to the kingdom of this world. I'll give to the kingdom right. of, built, you know, literally every aspect of Christian worship that reminds us of who we were created
1: to be. And so we kind of come back to that. So that's liturgy. That's mm-hmm. the point, and that's why we we as Adventists, I think, uh, need to become more liturgical. That's a conversation <laughs> for another day. So yes, we have this this ideal in mind, but then the, there's a recognition a tie tied to the fact that yes, we are all impacted by the community. Mm-hmm. Is that that impact isn't just individual; it's collective. Yeah, yeah. And because we read scripture with a very Western mindset, the the question um, almost always is, "What do I need to do, and how is this going to affect me in in the future?" Mm. I think that's changing a little, um, because now we're asking the question, "What would this have us do, and how is this going to impact the body of Christ?" And I think that mm. reading of our behaviors that's and our good. acts is much closer to the reading that's that good. Paul would have that's in mind. Good. So let's 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 bear in mind, as you mm. were saying just the fruit, the fruit that's gonna come out of Mm -hmm. these decisions that we're making today. Um, Because I hope, and we might not always be right, but, you know, 40 years down the line, I hope and I believe that uh, the future of Christendom is in these rhythms, Mm. but I also think that the future of Christendom rests on how faithful this generation, in this still primarily Christian country, is going to be viewed mm. uh, by generations that follow. So my grandkids are going to look back and say, you had um, a pretty big imprint uh, on society. Mm-hmm. You had a pretty powerful uh, pulpit from which to speak to society. Mm-hmm. Uh, you still leverage had some influence to leverage within society. Did you do that in ways that were kingdom-making? Mm. And if... The answer to that is no. Mm. I, I fear for the future of, of the mm. church.
0: Wow. Wow. Sobering words, brother.
1: Man, I learned them from you, the man.
0: Sobering words. You know, Paul leaves us kind of with a space of uh, that I think would be worthwhile just to read this last portion here, sure. 17 to, to 19. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the spirit speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the spirit sing and make music from your heart to the Lord always giving thanks to God the father for everything in the name of our Lord and Jesus Christ you know one of the biggest things he kind of then reminds us okay so you're living in this world you're wanting to make an impact for the generations to come how will I guide you I will guide you as you're connected to the spirit mm-hmm uh, my Holy Spirit, and that will cause you then to speak of this love and live into the love of who I was in verse 1 mm. so that you then would be able to speak in psalms and mm. hymns, sing the meek music in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks to Him and being a
1: blessing to mm. the world around you. And I think um, that's that's so powerful in such an apropos place to to finish phil it says here you've finished with verse 20 20 uh, give thanks to the father for everything mm. and shocking in the greek everything means everything <laughs> um, so i think that's you you asked the question how do i get there we've, we've got so many challenges and i think we've outlined some of them there i don't think great theological acuity is necessary I don't think scriptural dexterity is necessary. Uh, It's important and it's helpful. I think it's what you mentioned in the end, which is, do we live lives in the spirit? And some of the most spiritual people um, that I've met uh, in in my life uh, had difficulty reading. Uh, but there is this undeniable characteristic to a life lived in the spirit. Mm. There's not much writing. There's not much preaching. There's not, mm. uh, papers aren't being written and dissertations aren't being defended, mm. but you can tell. Mm. You can say, I don't know what it is, um, but you, But there's something about you that reflects mm. the spirit. Mm. And um, I think at the end of of a conversation like this, I think that's what we pray Mm, for.
0: mm,
1: mm. We pray for the capacity that regardless of people agree with us or disagree with us, regardless of what your view on all of these hot button issues are, regardless on what particular media you choose to follow, both uh, secular and uh, our church media, we know that there's a bevy of options to pick from, regardless of what that is. Our hope, I think, as pastors is that you can look into our lives and say, might not agree with him or her, Hmm. but I can see that that is a life lived in the Spirit. Hmm.
0: Hmm. That's beautiful, Miguel. Thank you, man.
1: Won't you pray for us as we we close?
0: Let's do it. Jesus, thank you so much for our brothers and sisters who are watching here now. But above all things, God, we thank you for you. We thank you for your Son. We thank you for the Holy Spirit, which speaks into each one of our lives a words of hope, uh, times a word of discipline, a word of just just forgiveness and, and your grace. And so, Lord, thank you for being so merciful unto us and showering us with the cleansing that this day can provide. Father, thank you for your word, which brings clarity to our lives and hope for the future. And God, I also pray uh, for the generations to come that they might find us faithful in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
1: Amen. So now may God grant you wisdom as you seek to live a life in the Spirit. We'll see you next week.